Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we are joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's a Sunday. We're recording this on a Sunday and it's kind of late for you. It's later than it usually is. So um, for anybody listening out there, if if Chris seems a little bit sleepy, that's why I've insisted that he records on a Sunday at 2pm my time. Like it's like 10pm where you are pretty much at past 10. It's 10pm. It's the it's the latest I think we've ever done a podcast uh, before. So yeah. Incorrect, Chris, because I did one. Uh, You're a little bit drunk. Good. Well, I'm glad you're admitting it on on air. Lovely old job. Um, Yeah. yeah, but when you're drunk, you can't really tell. It's it's actually quite annoying. You're not a sloppy drunk. It's it's quite it's quite annoying to be quite frank. I am not a sloppy drunk. I like that sloppy drunk. I've never sloppy heard drunk. that phrase before. Never catch you on Shibuya uncovered. It'll never catch you. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Shibuya meltdown. Shibuya meltdown. Never catch you out. Yeah, never ca- catch you on public transport asleep with vomit all down your front. <laughs> that is, a, but, that is um, a frighteningly disgusting image to to kick things off to me on a train covered in sick brilliant <laughs> Pete. raise the bar every week yeah every <laughs> single time but i like i like the fact that i mean you say that it's it's the latest that you've ever recorded a podcast it's not the latest i've ever recorded a podcast uh with you i've recorded one at like 1 a.m uh england time so that was like that's pretty Sacrifices. that's pretty that's crazy yeah i mean that yeah so it's it's one all in my opinion it's one all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sacrifice you have to make mm. when being on the Abroad in Japan podcast. The eight-hour time difference is a difficult thing to get past, but somehow we've done it for two and a half years now. <laughs> it's quite an achievement, well, technically and uh, yeah. creatively. Um, I'm in a good mm-hmm. mood, though, alcohol aside, mm-hmm. because do you know uh, are you aware of Hanko stamps and what they are and how they work? Well, I think we might have talked about them before. Hanko stamps. There's, when you go to the bank, you've got to have a little stamp with you to to sign your signature. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, right. I think it's kind of like from they come from China hundreds of years ago, old kind of traditional culture. I remember when I first arrived in Japan, I was delighted about this Hanko stamp. You get your your name carved on it, right? A little bit of plastic, little stamp, mm. and then you stamp it with documents and things, typically with banking, but as great as that is, and as cool as it might seem, it's very inconvenient and annoying because every time you need your damn Hanko stamp, uh, you just don't have it with you, or at least I don't. And numerous are the times that I've had to do something and they've asked for a Hanko stamp. I don't have it. I don't walk around with a stamp mm. in my pocket. 
I barely have anything in my pocket, let alone a stamp. And it's just like screwed me over. Not only that, but on my first Hanko stamp, it was after about six months of using it, I went to get some car insurance using the stamp. And they said I couldn't use it because they didn't like my name being in Katakana characters or something. Something I don't really understand. So I had to get another yeah, stamp. That, that first stamp was void. And I just had so many problems. I could spend this entire podcast ranting and raging about how much I hate Hanko stamps. But I am in a good mood because because of the coronavirus, they're going to mm. phase them out because of the digital, the fact that people aren't traveling around as much. Um, they're trying to do things yeah. more digitally now. So they're phasing them out. Yes, brilliant. And now I think what I read is that companies that want to keep the Hanko stamp have to write to the government saying why they want to keep them. So hopefully this mm. means that they will actually be phased out and I need never use that damn stamp ever again. So I'm in a good mood. That is why. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're in uh, in a very rare group of people who obviously moved to Japan. I would find the idea of having a little stamp that I've got to uh, bring with me to the bank utterly charming for the first three times. And then after that, I'd be in exactly the same boat as you are. But at this moment in time, I am absolutely uh, very excited about the idea of uh, of having a little kind of stamp that, to, to replace my signature. Because my signature is pretty poor at the best of times. Uh, it's not the worst I've ever seen, but it's, it's a pretty poor signature. Um, did you at school, did you ever sort of like spend a lot of time like perfecting your signature? Because I did. Um, and it's got worse over years. No, Pete, I, uh, I got out on the playground, mate. I wasn't sitting inside doing my signature over and over. <laughs> that big stuff. Well, I, I probably should have done. famous, see? <laughs> well, I mean, I probably should have done. My signature's rubbish. It changes like every day. It's different. So mm. I think, I don't know if that's illegal, but it changes a lot. Well, so the, the, probably I should remember have been when we did the. When we did the um, Football Rumble book, we released a book about two or three years ago and we did went out on tour uh, and there were book signings at that tour. And I, I mean, obviously, mm. I was absolutely mortified uh, about the idea of anybody, um, you know, <laughs> anybody uh, wanting my signature or even reading anything I've written. Um, but yeah, I was just signing my normal kind of what you would call an autograph, but it was actually just my signature. So like people could very easily defraud me out of money, I reckon by uh, copying my signature. <laughs> so you need like, so if you're going to be uh, a well-known person, I think you need to invent your own kind of little, um, you know, strange version of your own signature uh, that, that isn't quite uh, the one you'd put on a check, for example. Mm. I've decided I want your signature now, Pete. I want it. I want an autograph. <laughs> yes. I want to cash yeah. in. I want to exploit this. <laughs> uh, I mean, these days, though, people don't really ask for autographs and things. I've, I think I've only had to sign a signature once or twice in right. eight years of doing this and um, the hundreds of times I've, I've bumped into viewers or listeners, and I, I enjoy it. But these days, it's just a selfie, and to be honest, that's much mm. better. One time, I found myself in Don Quixote in Shibuya, and some guy was like, I want your signature. I was like, oh, okay. And we spent at least five minutes looking for a pen around the floor of Don Quixote. I was and I was busy. I was like, I've got things to do. And he's like, I just need to get a pen. Like, oh, okay. We'll get the pen. <laughs> and we walk around fucking Don Quixote looking for a pen. And we a didn't find one. <laughs> pineapple Pine- pen. <laughs> pineapple pen. We didn't find a pen, for God's sake. Yeah. Instead he went just as we we're about to get to the pen section, he's like, oh, actually can we just get a selfie instead? I was like, I'm going to kill you. And the photo <laughs> is going to be me punching you in the face. I got the photo. I was like, I've got to go now. Bye. And that was the worst time I've ever met a viewer in a, anywhere. <laughs> and luckily, that is, the, that is the only time it's been bad. Every, every other time it's mm. been pleasant. So 
Your, your listeners are always very, um, your fans are always fans, and I'm going to say fans, uh, your, your aficionados are always very, very sweet and very, very pleasant, and they're always incredibly polite. Um, football yeah. football fans are, can be slightly more um, uh, abrasive, let's say, <laughs> when they've had a few drinks, <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing a, when you're doing a, a book signing. <laughs> Sign my book, you shits! Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'm lucky in that regard. The, uh, the viewers and listener. Listeners of the uh, Abroad Japan channel and podcast are brilliant, which is you at home listening to this. You are amazing. Mm. With that, we turn our attention to story of the week. What have we got? We've got one from Frank this week. He says, hi, Chris and Pete. Uh, I thought you might like to hear from possibly one of your oldest listeners, 73. Wow. I think you might be the oldest listener, Frank. That's amazing. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Cracking. Um, uh, I'd like... I thought you might like to hear of a couple of my experiences in the last century to Japan. Uh, In 1986, I worked in Tokyo for a few months. And as part of this, while we were there, we were given Japanese lessons. For homework, one week, we were tasked with finding some examples of Japanese writing and to bring them back for translation. A colleague had been outside Shinjuku Station and watched with amusement as a highly decorated truck blasted out very enthusiastically some sort of loud message. One of the truckers handed out leaflets, and my colleague took one. Homework solved. He brought it back, and uh, back in the classroom, our teacher, who was Japanese, with some embarrassment, explained that the leaflet basically called for all foreigners to go home. Love the show, Frank. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, It's one of the racist trucks. Yeah. It's one of the racist trucks. We love a racist truck. They they, they are just so popular around Shinjuku Shibuya. That's that's a wonderful story. Just come back going, what does this mean then? Oh, no. I'm so embarrassed. The teacher has been so mortified. (laughs) Go on, Frank. So it's always Shinjuku as well. I remember the, um, the infamous video of like, the, the same group of of people. I'm not sure what the organisation's called. It's it's kind of like this very extreme right wing political organisation that go around with trucks. Mm. And when I not that long ago, I remember in my first apartment in Sendai. I've lived in two apartments uh, in Sendai. The first one, for some reason, every bloody week, a, one of these kind of right wing trucks was driving around my neighbourhood playing propaganda really loudly. And it's this kind of 1950s Enka style music with like horrible, like evil sounding propaganda thrown in. And you don't want to hear that at like 4pm. You're sitting on the sofa, having a nice afternoon coffee. Truck goes past. <laughs> oh, everyone, these foreigners rubbish. Foreigners suck. We hate them. Uh, go home. It's like, oh, for... Maybe they knew I lived there. Probably. That, yeah. That seems quite likely. Probably just doing donuts outside your house, spraying their filth <laughs> orally at you. Did they, did, what do they actually sort of say in those things? Are they are they just really to to a point, kind of just saying if foreigners go home? There's no like, you know, there's no kind of uh, dog whistling or kind of um, tempered language. It's just like foreigners go home. Fuck off, Gaijin. I mean, <laughs> it it typically is aimed at Chinese and Korean uh, residents, right. which make up the bulk of the foreign resident population mm. in Japan. Um, but I mean, and also white people. Like, there's a famous video on YouTube. You can type in "white pig go home." And mm. It's hilarious. It's a group of like must be like thirty, forty of these guys walking with banners in front of um, like the Park Hyatt Hotel in Shinjuku, um, and they're just going "white pig go home," "white pig go home." It's just like oh, 
what are you doing? It just sounds ridiculous. It's so comical. And there's a group of like uh, American tourists, I think, just standing out the front of the hotel, just looking bemused and confused. Like they're probably jet lagged. They've just flown in from New York and they're coming out the hotel. Yeah, Japan. And there's just a group of 30 people with banners going, white pig, go home. You can look that up on YouTube. It is good. It's amazing. It's yeah. That's a little bit depressing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But, I mean, this isn't an accurate reflection of Japan, to be honest. Um, I don't see them that often. And the first time I did see it was in uh, Wenos, near Weno Station. If you come out of Weno Station, there's often like a truck mm. there doing it, playing the silly music. There's someone standing on the roof of a camper van or something, just shouting through a loud hailer. And it's just, it's almost comical, really. You can't really take it seriously, mm. so... Yeah, but it's rare. So don't worry about it. It's not going to happen to you. But if it does, it'll just, be just, funny. Get a leaflet. I just like the fact that if you are a, a a Japanese fascist and you want everyone who's not pure pure blood Japanese to go home, like you you must be pretty uh, happy with the situation because it's a very non ethnically diverse country. It's the only place <laughs> yeah. in the whole world, apart from maybe North Korea, that, that, that uh, doesn't have anybody going in or out. Absolutely. <laughs> And at yeah, 90, yeah. it's like 98.5% of the population is ethnically Japanese. So I don't know why you're really even sad. bothering. Like the job satis- well, the job satisfaction must be really high. Yep, job done. Job done. <laughs> huh. We must be doing something right. Ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, I'm holding here something of great value, Pete. Uh, oh, I'm trying to open it, steady. as you can hear. Look at that. You're in a hotel ASMR. room after all. <laughs> I'm in a hotel room. Uh, and I've got uh, Pringles... London flavour, Pete. London flavour Pringles. Oh, Would you believe oh, it? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you sent me a link for these, and I didn't realise you actually had a packet um, with you. Um, passport flavours. I presume there's different kinds of uh, of flavours, but I mean, just uh, it it just looks <laughs> dread. I mean, there's, 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 it's like fish and chip flavour, isn't it? That seems to be the uh, it is fish what and chip flavour. Unless he says... Pringles London fish and chips passport flavour. I think maybe I don't know why. I think maybe <laughs> the idea being you can't travel at the moment, so why not bring the flavour yeah. of London to Pringles and, <laughs> and enjoy them in Japan, which is what I'm about to do. Let's, let's crack open yeah. Pringles. Get them open. They smell like they smell like cardboard. But Pringles do that. Passport they smell flavor. like cardboard, don't they? Best flavour. No, it's right, just sweet pins in it. So, I mean, they're fa- my favourite crisp, easily Pringles. Really? You yeah, like Pringles? I love them. Love Pringles. Yeah, right. I always eat too many of them, and then I have um, stomach pains. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that Pringles always give people stomach pains, but I will eat an entire long tube of salt and vinegar uh, Pringles, and then just feel terrible about myself for the next day. But it'll be worth well, it. <laughs> I like Pringles with dip. I'm going to dip right now. Right. So mm. it says uh, British fast food, tartar sauce and salt balance flavour. And I, I, honestly, it doesn't taste like fish and chip. It tastes like prawn cocktail gone wrong. Uh, oh, no. I don't like this. This is terrible. For anybody who gets today. very upset with hearing hearing people eating on podcasts, this is very much... <laughs> this is really going I mean, to grind their gears. Yeah, that's that's the end of the Pringle London fish and chips flavour. It's not good. I, I was excited. I thought it might no. be like salt and vinegar, right? Because most people put mm. salt and vinegar on their fish and chips. Instead, it's kind of like a... It mm, just tastes of cardboard. It's like rats. And it tastes like the cardboard and tartar sauce. It's awful. <laughs> uh, I mean... Enjoyable. What? 
I want to know what other passport flavors there are, though. Like, what would be the flavor of, say, America, of New York, do you think? Um, a New York slice of pizza. <laughs> pizza flavor. Pizza wrap. Pizza wrap flavor. Remember the pizza wrap? Ah, oh, pizza wrap. Uh, what about what about Germany? What would that be? Berlin flavor. Uh, schnitzel. Delicious schnitzel. Schnitzel. That would work. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, it would be like in pork knuckle or something like that. Um, they they like their meat over there, don't they? Or curry first, curry first. Oh, man, they, I'm, I'm sure a, I'm sure a crisp um, flavor must have. I mean, it's just curry flavor, crisp, isn't it? So curry first. I love curry first. It's like tomato. It's like tomato sauce with curry powder sprinkled into it. Oh wow, beautiful. It's good. It's very good. Mm. And we can you can bet that it would be better than London flavor fish and chips Pringles. I just love the packaging. Like if you yeah. if you want to see what it looks like, folks, just type in Pringles London fish and chip Japan, and you'll see. Um, it's just got a nice red photo of Big Ben and some fish and chips, and uh, yeah. But don't don't actually buy them. If you're in Japan, listen to this. Best avoided, unless you want to take a photo for Twitter. And in fact, that is what I'm going to do. Just bought them to exploit them. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realize that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Join me, Melissa Reddy, and listen to my brand new podcast, Between the Lines. I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating, behind-the-scenes stories fans want to hear. 
From major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watch with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself and I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. Are you a YouTuber? Wow. Right. Pringles aside. I mean, I, I mean, you say that, I, I mean can, I, can I just can I just jump in here, Chris? Because you obviously, uh, you know, you've you've obviously been drinking all day. You're so exhausted uh, by your level of uh, consuming alcohol that, that you've you've confused. You said there's a picture of uh, Big Ben on the front of the on the front of the Pringles, but it's not Big Ben, though, is it, Chris? What's Big that? Ben, Big what Ben's is the bell, isn't it? And the the clock is actually called. Clock Steve. So it's actually a picture of Clock Steve on the front. So have a bit of that. It's what what is, arrogant you, dickheads say when you talk about Big Steve. Ben and you you're describing the clock. Yeah, the clock is called Clock Steve. How did I not know that? How did I not know that? Then what's Big Ben? The Tell tower itself. No, it's the bell. I I I I've kind of I've. I've been hosted by Omar Patadi because I was criticising people for pointing out that tediously that uh, Big Ben is the name of the bell rather than the uh, tower, um, and I fall into my own trap here. So if you, you saw me an absolute kipper there, or rather a slice of fish and tartar sauce. But Clock you, Steve is the, is the clock, is the name of the clock. So um, If you were here right now, I would friends. throw a Pringle at you for making me look <laughs> stupid with my lack of Big Ben knowledge. You've been doing far too many <laughs> pub quizzes, Pete. Haven't you? Clock Steve. Yeah, big Ben. Yeah. Bloody Steve Clock. Right. I I came across an interesting story today. The uh, mm. Japan's oldest woman is now 117 years old. Uh, right. The, I think the third the third oldest person on record of all time is now a 117-year-old Japanese woman called Kane Tanaka. And apparently she lives on a diet of cola and board games and chocolate, Ooh, but not Pringles. Um, she's, uh, she's in Fukuoka <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's really interesting. Like it's, as most people know, Japan's population is formidably old. I think, mm. uh, there's a statistic that by 2040, 35% of the population, uh, will be, I think over 60 years old, 65 years old. Um, right. and the number of people over 65 in Japan is 36 million. And 80,000 people in Japan are over 100. So that is pretty crazy. That there's, I, mm. I, To this day, I still don't know how Japanese people just live so long. Um, it's speculated cool, that it's a diet. Board games, isn't it? <laughs> it's board games. Board games and Coke. I mean, that's yeah. I love, whenever I read about a super, centete, super centet, centenarian, God, it's too late. Mm. There's too much alcohol to super centenarian. say a big word. 
Super Sanitarian. What is this? A test if you can say Super Sanitarian. <laughs> but uh, they always say like they've always like oh, I used to, I love cigarettes. I don't stop smoking. I drink Coke. I like chocolate. They're always like really unhealthy mm. and they're proud of it because they've lived to yeah. hundred and fifty years old or something, and they've won because they haven't had a healthy diet. <laughs> and they're like really kind of arrogant about it. I love it. Yeah, and I would do that too. It's, it's mainly genetic, it. isn't it? It's mainly genetic. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> is. Definitely is genetic. I don't think I'll live anywhere near 117 years old. Uh, what would you do mm. if you were 117 years old, Pete? Oh, <laughs> I would be lording of everyone. I'd be going, well, <laughs> you may think that, but how many 117-year-olds have you spoken to? I'm 117, so whatever I think is more uh, important and more relevant and more correct than whatever you, whatever you could, because I have lived longer than anyone else in the world, so I have seen more shit than you have. So wind it in sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. And I mean, mm. this is this is incre- incredible, right? Uh, Kane Tanaka. She was born on the 2nd of January, 1903, which was the year the Wright brothers made their first powered flight. Think about that. (laughs) When she was born, airplanes weren't even a thing. And she's lived Mm. through five Japanese emperors, the reign of five Japanese emperors as well. How insane is that? I just cannot compute that. I'm trying to think. I think my nan was born in 1908, I think. Obviously, she's long dead. Mm. <laughs> my right. mum uh, texted me uh, last week saying, uh, oh, your nan would have been you know, 117 or something uh, today. I was like, yeah, it's not not how, how that works, is it, mum? It's like she didn't, she didn't make that, is she? Like, it's all very well sort of going, happy, birth- happy you know, 115th birthday to my nan. Um, she, she made 96, great innings, so, you know. <laughs> that, is, that is a weird anniversary but uh, fair play to yeah, living to 96 if i get if yeah. i make it to anywhere near 96 i will be so happy i'll eat she pringles was, and i don't know what i'll do she was but I'll powered be by at that, at that point she was powered by um uh licorice and anger <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody had a good word to say about uh, at a funeral i didn't recall which is oh. you, you sort of look back and you sort of go oh it turns out my nan was a bit of a wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh god poor, poor woman bless her but uh, <laughs> but uh, Kane Tanaka uh, she's the third oldest person ever right behind Jean Carment this uh, this French woman who died in 1997 at the age of 122 uh, 122 years old how is that even possible and that's, I remember, I mean, that's, that's 22 years of, of not great living as well. I mean, you sort of get, we all get excited about you know living to that age, but I imagine anything anything north of 95 is a pretty miserable existence unless you're incredibly lucky when it comes to the genetic, genetics lottery, so to speak. But uh, look, um, kind of Tanaka's eating chocolate and drinking fizzy pop and doing board games, so maybe she's enjoying the board game revolution that's happening right now. <laughs> Settlers of Catan we, and all that business. We... <laughs> Get her in the advertising. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine getting a 117-year-old woman from Japan to market your brand, your board game. Oh, that would work. Cards against humanity. Cards <laughs> against humanity. She's very offensive, this old lady. <laughs> that would probably take a few years off a very long life. Cards against humanity. But uh, there you go. Third oldest woman in the world, now Japanese, Kane Tanaka in Fukuoka. Well done, her. I I mean, that's that's the end of that bit. But well done. I, mm. I, I'm i really pessimistic. I think I'm going to live to... I'm going to say 
50, 60, let's say 60. I've made this assumption, mm. right, that I'm just going to die when I'm 50 or 60. Hopefully I'd make it to there. That'd be great. And the reason I've done that is if I get to 60, which I don't think I will, if I get there, I'll be like, oh, I've made it. This is great. You know, but if I set my expectations low, well, I'll probably make it to 40, 50 or something. Then, you know, I'll live now in the moment, right? I'll make every day count. I'll work hard now. And I think that's a, a good way of living in some respects. Or is it mental? Well, I, what do you reckon? Well, I, I only found out um, a couple of weekends ago that um, my, I think I've, I've probably said this on every podcast I've been on uh, the last couple of weeks because I am on a lot of podcasts, but I found out that my uh, granddad had a heart attack at uh, 53. So I'm like, 53. Probably could have done with that information, to be honest, ma'am. <laughs> she didn't tell me or nothing. She didn't oh, tell God. me. Um, so I'm just like, uh, yeah, probably could have done with that information. <laughs> probably want to get myself checked out. Mind you, he did work down the mine, and my job could not be further away from working down the mine. <laughs> <laughs> you're not working on down the mine. You're on the Abroad in Japan podcast. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. Diff- mining content. Mining content. <laughs> Speaking of mining content, we turn our attention now to the fax machine. What have we got this week from the fax machine, Mr. Dawson? Mike from Berlin, uh, who probably has, on more than one occasion, had himself a curry verse. Dearest Peter and Christopher, one of the most quintessential Tokyo moms of my life visiting uh, was when I was in a packed subway and a man stood in front of the doors, turned round and politely but firmly pushed me further into the carriage with his bum. Not the most pleasant experience, but it made me feel like I was in one of those stereotypical clips about Japan. With this in mind, my question is rather a practical one. What's the situation on the subways in Tokyo? Is it a ghost town or is it as busy as it used to be? And are there any restrictions? Are there procedures in place that uh, from the norm. Thank you for all the great Japanophile banter. Mike from Berlin. Huh. Well, like, I am Chris? in Tokyo What's at the moment. It, like? mm. it is. It's noticeably quieter. And and certainly the subways and the trains are a lot quieter than usual. I'm going to make a quick estimate and say it's like 25% less because a lot of companies, uh, people are teleworking. People are working from home, right? So that's a big factor. Mm. Um, and obviously there's no foreign tourists as well. There are supposed to be 30 million foreign overseas tourists coming this year the figure is in fact zero which is terrible right imagine a year ago Mm. turning to someone and being like guess what guess the number of people coming to japan next year is it 30 million no is it 20 million no is it 10 million no it's zero none are coming whatsoever and there's no olympics you would have been laughed out the room it still blows (laughs) my mind i still don't understand it's (laughs) it's he's having a lovely time he's going this is the best year of my life that, that, sad life. He, he must be so happy but it's uh no it's very quiet and um i mean the changes at the moment are whatever you're doing wherever you are you need to wear a mask if it's in a taxi train yeah. hotel a building a toilet just have a mask on there'll be mask signs everywhere right. and if you don't wear a mask you'll get looked at a lot because everybody else is wearing one right it's uh japan people wear masks before there was a pandemic now everyone's wearing one and as much as I dislike masks, I think they're very annoying. I do understand why they're important, and I do wear mine religiously as well. And there's lots of alcoholic spray everywhere. But, um, yeah, so those are the main changes, really. Tokyo is noticeably quieter. Um, it's a little bit eerie at times going down certain streets because bars that would have once been bustling are you know, just quiet, and it's all a bit odd. Yeah. And in some respects, it is cool, though. You do feel like you've got Tokyo to yourself, but... I'd rather have a Tokyo that didn't have a pandemic than uh, than the situation that we currently have, to be honest. It sucks. Yeah. Isn't great. That does suck. Mm. But um, uh, going back to Mike from Berlin, 
I don't know if, if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, there is some fantastic videos of Tokyo subway trains where people are being pushed on with a stick because in the sub, in the trains, just general trains in Tokyo, at about seven, eight o'clock in the morning, which is rush hour, um, they force people on with a stick. Like people have to crowd in and they can't get in. And they're like in the doorway and the doors won't close. So they've got staff, they've mm. got teams of people around with sticks to push people in physically to the do- to the point where they can like the doors slam shut and lock them in. And then they're sort of pressed up against the window, their faces. Have you ever seen this, Pete? Have you ever seen this yourself? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a few times, but I've never seen it in in real life. I've never seen. I've never been on a train during rush hour. I think the earliest I've well, the earliest I've ever been on a train. I think it was a train that went straight into Shinjuku Shibuya sort of area, and it was like maybe about eight o'clock in the morning, and it wasn't too bad. But it, I guess it was the airport. Um, it was the old Hane, um, Haneda Express, wasn't it? So it probably wasn't too bad. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That's a nice train. <laughs> That's not really a train. Nobody's it's a on nice that. Train. It is a nice train. <laughs> it's it's thoroughly unpleasant though i've done it like a few times and uh i swore never to ride a train at like 8 30 in the morning in japan again because it uh, you can't move it's really kind of surreal like you've been on a busy train in london but this is like next level like you really cannot move and you can see all of a sudden how people get sexually assaulted on bloody trains why there's these perverts because somebody could with a sneaky hand as you always say mr tickle you could do that quite easily if you are a dickhead, because you can't move and you can, you don't know where people are coming from because you can't even turn, you can't move your head. It's horrendous. And uh, as someone that doesn't like crowds that much, I was just like, I'm not doing that again. And that was about three years ago. And since then, I've never ridden a train at that time of day. And I would strongly advise tourists, if you're coming to Japan, guys, don't get on the train in the rush hour. It's not fun, especially if you've got luggage. Especially, um, especially if you've got luggage, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we've got one here from Yanis. He says, hello, Chris and Pete. Greetings from California, where everything has been on fire, both literally and figuratively. Mm. This year has not been a fun time, but it's been comforting to listen to the podcast during my commute to work. Unfortunately, uh, I can't work from home. Sorry to hear that, Yanis. I feel incredibly grateful that I was able to take a trip to Japan last November with my friends before the pandemic hit. And hearing stories about people's trips to Japan brings back fond memories. One thing I really miss about Japan is the food. We tried so many dishes, namen, katsudon, yakitori, uh, mondoyaki. Apparently it's okonomiyaki with yakisoba on top. I think that was my favorite dish. And they were all very mouthwateringly delicious. But one thing my friends and I found odd was the lack of dining options in the morning. When we arrived in Japan, we had made a packed schedule for ourselves. With so much to see, we agreed that we'd all try to wake up early every day and be ready to go by 9am. Since we knew we'd be doing a lot of exercise, we wanted to start our mornings with a hearty breakfast. But we ended up having a hard time finding anything open before 10am. We'd walk up and down the train stations in Tokyo and Kyoto and the nearby streets, and it would take up to an hour to find something open that looked like breakfast food. A few days, uh, we had after a few days, we had to settle for pastries from a coffee shop or even curry. Good God. <laughs> Side note, curry and coffee wasn't actually too bad of a combination. I'm not, I'm not believing that, Yanis. My question is, what do Japanese people usually eat for breakfast? From what we saw, I assume that most people just eat breakfast at home. Um, but do breakfast diners just not exist? Or did we happen to miss them? Where, where we, or were we just bad at Googling? Many thanks and keep up the good work, Yanis. Uh, I mean, I've talked about this before. Japanese breakfasts are horrific um often unless you go to a nice yorkan nice traditional inn where they have like a really nice course um but no generally it's kind of like 
what most people eat is a leftover meal from the night before. It'll be some right. fish that's cold out of the fridge with some rice and miso soup. It's not overly great. I don't like it. And when I'm on the go, I will happily admit that I do get McDonald's breakfast, mega muffin, can't go wrong. And and uh, I'll run into somewhere like Denny's or Jonathan's. I was in Jonathan's yesterday and I got like uh, some bacon and eggs and whatnot. But uh, no, generally breakfast in Japan, not great. Not great at all. What are your thoughts, Pete? What do you normally do when you're here for breakfast? You're a little mega muffin, whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree, actually. It is quite hard to... Because, I mean, all around London uh, town centre, there are breakfast options, as you know, your, your balance mm. and your, and your um, kind of little little dines and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've, I think I can only remember ever having two breakfasts in the hall of... And one was in Tsukiji, <laughs> um, fish mar- Tsukiji uh, the fish market. Um, yeah, yeah. But and that and that was like post night nightclub sort of going home like you know five o'clock in the morning six o'clock in the morning kind of breakfast, but uh, yeah very like a very few um, opportunities to do that sort of thing. So yeah, you are kind of stuck to. Dick, I, I was sort of like go to one of those kind of places that sell like rice with like pork belly on top. Uh, I can't remember what they call that, but um, that thing, <laughs> those shops that sell that thing, they seem to be open twenty four hours. So yeah, twenty four hour diners, but there's no specific breakfast options. I would say there's no. I think um, only like the kind of Western style um, coffee shops where you get mm. like croissants and stuff. That's a kind of breakfasty meal. But I've I've had it in like uh, traditional. Um, I've stood in a couple of rare kinds, and the breakfasts are delicious. But they are like it's just a bit of a bit of fish, a bit of like, like a little bento box or something, a bit of fish, bit of maybe mm, a bit of natto mm. if you're lucky or unlucky, depending on how you feel about natto. Uh, and just a lot of rice just to, just to get you, just to, to get the, a bit of stodge into you. Um, and it's, it, it could be a bit weird for some eating anything that's curried or anything that's a little bit stronger for breakfast. But, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people around the world eat, eat curried things and, and quite spicy stuff for breakfast. And uh, I, I blum and love it. I blum and love a spicy breakfast, me. Ugh, I can't. I cannot imagine curry and coffee is like my worst nightmare for breakfast. Not a chance. Not a chance in hell. Oh well. Oh well. Never mind. All right. I got a message from Peter Dawson. Uh, Peter Dawson. Peter Dawson. Uh, hi, Chris and Pete. I wanted to ask about driving in Japan, or particularly getting gas. When I was in Japan last year, I noticed no gas stations in the major cities and only one in Hakone, uh, which, while popular, I don't think qualifies as a major city. Are uh, they quite rare, unless you're in the countryside, or are they hiding in some secret underground gas hound club where you must wrestle Master Wato or Wato for the right to refuel? Uh, would appreciate some tips on this, <laughs> as I do hope to rent a car the next time I go and check out some of northern Japan. All the best. Peter Dawson from Kelowna in uh, Canada. Wonderful, wonderful name of a place to live in Canada. But yeah, I, I, I don't see that many, um, that many uh, gas stations. In, 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 did have you got to do it yourself, or, or is there I mean, people there to do it for you? Yeah, I mean, this is the best thing about petrol stations in Japan. They do it for you, which wasn't really a thing. It is now in the UK. You can find people to do it, but uh, in the UK, for those of you who haven't been in the mm. UK, you have to do it yourself which is fine. But then I moved to Japan mm. and my local petrol station, in fact, most petrol stations do it all for you. You turn up, you say, Mantan which means like a full tank, please. And then they go, what kind of car? And you say regular, which is regular petrol. 
and then they ask, is it you're going to pay cash or card? Like uh, card or Genkin? And you say Genkin, it's cash, and that's it. Those three words, and off you go. And you just sit there, and they do all the work for you, and they give you a little towel to wipe your window. And I recently discovered if you pay the correct amount of change uh, to the to the coin, like with coins, whatnot, uh, they'll give you like free tissues. So bonus. Wow. You don't have to get out of the car. They do it for you. They wipe your windows, do the petrol, and you get some free tissues. Bloody petrol stations in Japan are the best. No, no, no questions asked. If you can find one, not bad. Which you can't. Not bad. That's that's <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, they are quite. Uh, they are quite rare. I don't know why. I don't mm. know what the science behind it is. They are not as easy to find as in the UK, from my experience. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. Uh, and certainly in cities, it's a little bit of a hurdle. Just the other day, I was renting a car, and when you rent a car in Japan, when you take it back, you have to have it filled to the top, right? Um, we have to, you have to quickly fill it up at the nearest petrol station and hand it back. But I could not find a petrol station, so I just gave up and paid the fine instead. And I was like, I can't find it. Sorry, I'll pay the fine. So just do that. That's my tip as well. If you're renting a car in Japan, rather than fill up the car, just pay the fine. It only works out to be like an extra 100 yen more. And it saves you the hassle of going on an expedition to find a petrol station. Life hacks. Life hacks with Abroad in Japan. And avoid the pringles. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad in Japan. Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> well, shut up. He's I'm breaking down. You. He's breaking Don't down. You dare. He's Japan Podcast gmail.com. We'll be back same time next week to do it all over again, guys. Uh, but for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, May, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next few days. Have a good one, folks. a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.